Hello and welcome to Stick Around, a suicide discussion. If you or someone you love struggle with mental illness, this is the place to be. I'm Kel Bjorn, and I'm passionate about helping others discover ways to find value in their lives. You've got friends, you've got family, you've got plenty of people who want you to stick around. So let's open up and see if we can make a difference. Hello, everyone. Welcome back. This is Kel Bjorn again here ready for this week's Stick Around episode. Today, I'm speaking with Mary and Jason Sturgeon. The Sturgeons are both principal wayfinders at their company, Arcade Wayfinding, which helps construction businesses grow up. Using a hands-on approach, their training series focuses on workshops, games, interactive activities, and keeping people talking, laughing, and engaged. One of their core beliefs is that if you're not engaged, you're not learning. You can find their website at arcadewayfinding.com, and you can also find their podcast, The Critical Path, with Mary and Jason at thecriticalpathpodcast.com, and I'll put those links in the show notes for this episode. Great. Uh, so welcome to the show. Happy to be here. Yeah. It's good to have you. Yeah. And hooray for Seattle. <laughs> so we were talking <laughs> offline a little bit. I, uh, I grew up in Seattle. I'm in Utah now, um, but I love talking to some fellow Washingtonians. So my thoughts are, real quick, I got to ask you, what are your thoughts on the whole Kraken thing? Release oh, the we're, Kraken. We're, we're jazzed. It's awesome. I said, for it's, it? it's, yeah. it's, a, it's a weird time to start a sports team up. <laughs> yes. <laughs> weird time for that, but... Well, and I, I think there, there's even controversy on the name, which I find kind of crazy at this point. Yeah. Uh, but I think Kraken, I mean, we're big sci-fi nerds, we're big fantasy oh, yeah. nerds. And I think the, the whole going kind of that, that uh, uh, historical monster route, that is awesome. Yeah. Um, yeah, but that, I think, it's very Seattle of them. Yeah. <laughs> it really, really does fit. I mean, at first I kind of thought that's kind of cheesy, but the more I thought about it, it's like, that's really going to fit in well there. It is. <laughs> it's really I mean, every time they say release the Kraken for the hockey team. I mean, that place yeah. is going to go nuts. Yeah. Yep. Well, and I think from the, we're, we're from the construction world and I think from, I have to get the construction nerdery in there. Um, so they took the existing arena key arena and put a huge amount of money into it. So I'm really interested to see what that finished product looks like. It's yeah. actually right next to one of the last projects I ran Chihuly garden and glass uh, right in Seattle center. So yeah, uh, I, I, interested to see what that finished product looks like and how easy it is to get in and out. Yeah. Yeah. That has always been a nightmare in that area. I mean, just looking back going to the Sonics games back in the day, it was just terrible. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. That's a great point. So you worked on some of the Chihuly stuff? Uh, Chihuly Garden and Glass was a project that I ran. I first went back in Seattle. Yeah. That's right by the Space Needle, right? It's right at the foot. Yes. it's actually owned by the Space Needle. A lot of people oh, I didn't know that. that. Yeah, yeah, that's cool. Yeah. That kind of rings a bell too. I, I work with a bunch of software developers, like we were talking offline, and a lot of times when we're ready to release something, someone always says, "Okay, release the Kraken." Like that's the thing we just <laughs> always say it. So there's no going back. I know. Yeah, it's <laughs> good stuff. Okay, so for the listeners, after hearing this description. Um, you might be wondering why in the world I'm having these two on the show that discusses mental health and suicide. Uh, they've got construction background, training individuals on kind of operational things and how to run a successful company. Um, but I did notice a post 
a while back on LinkedIn that Jason had posted about the staggering suicide numbers in the construction industry, specifically in Washington. Um, so with YouTube being so involved in training lots of construction companies, I'm assuming these numbers are hitting pretty close to home. Oh, absolutely. I mean, I think that uh, some of the, the really hard hitting components of, of suicide in construction is that we spend a huge monstrous number of dollars thinking about physical safety, thinking right. about keeping our workers safe. Uh, there, there are initiatives from, from every size of company talking about who are you safe for? Who do you, who do you operate safely for? Who do you come home to? Yeah. Um, and there's this, this gigantic discussion that really just happened in the last 20 years about physical safety. In the, in the billions and trillions of dollars that get spent on construction safety, uh, it is rarely, if ever, part of the conversation talking about someone's mental safety. Yeah. And I, I think you, you hit the nail on the head uh, in terms of these are staggering figures uh, where, where we see that, that, that suicide takes five times the number of people in the construction industry when you compare that to work on site. So if we put all of this money and attention into focusing on physical safety and let's say zero attention on mental safety, are, do we really have our priorities straight there? Yeah, that's interesting. I mean, you have an entire an organization in OSHA that is yeah. watching over and kind of raising red flags when things are not going their way. And sometimes I'm sure that's kind of annoying for some construction companies, you know, these violations, they might seem kind of nitpicky, but like you said, there's no attention to mental health. Mm -hmm. um, so I'm thinking construction industry, right off the bat, people just think, you know, there's some danger there. So it's mm -hmm. an important thing to pay attention to. So just to kind of paint the picture um, in this diagram that Jason had shared, it showed, I don't remember what the number was specifically, but a certain amount of workplace accidents that led to a death. Mm -hmm. was something like six to 10, somewhere in there. It was six. For an entire year. Mm -hmm. Or maybe that was this year up to this point or somewhere in there. Um, but then back in 2018, there was over 50 suicides mm -hmm. in that industry. Now, given your relationship with a lot of the companies that you've worked with, mm -hmm. um, I know you had mentioned that you have experienced some companies that have lost someone to suicide. Have you seen an impact that is made when that happens? Oh, oh absolutely. Absolutely. And, and um, so just to touch on the numbers that you, that you brought up, we saw six lives were lost on the job injury okay. uh, from, from work on site compared to 125 oh, uh, lost gosh. over the same period of time. So uh, it's, it's really a significant issue. But yeah. in terms of the, the specific impact that it has, um, the, the folks that we work with, we work with little mom and pop construction companies all the way up to the billion dollar juggernauts, uh, not Krakens, but, uh, <laughs> but uh, the, the, regardless of the size of the company that we work with, we typically take on a role that looks a little bit more like family. Uh, we, we get hugs instead of handshakes. Uh, we come to the Christmas parties. Uh, we go to the crawfish boils. Uh, yeah. So we really develop a close relationship to, to work with the, the folks that we do. And when, when they've lost people, 
it, it really, I mean, you really feel the rift more than, than just a cold callous relationship. It has yeah. an impact on the whole team. Yeah. And in one case, we were working closely with a, a pilot group to roll out new software. And uh, we had a, a young person who uh, he was, he was sharp. He was smart. He was, he was fired up about this opportunity. And as we're going through the process of rolling it out, um, it never came out exactly how it happened. Um, but it was, he had a gun and, mm. and he was found dead. Um, so, so no one necessarily put the, the pieces together to say, this is exactly what happened because no one was there and no one knew. Right. But the work that we were doing with that tight knit group for that initiative, uh, it, it, it was cataclysmic. Well, and I think interesting mm -hmm. because no one said the words, mm -hmm. no one wanted to say the words. And I think that's a big part of the problem that we see in construction in general is whether we're talking about someone who's struggling with depression, whether we're talking about someone who's just not doing okay. Um, no one ever wants to say anything out loud. Construction is a very kind of toxic masculinity soaked mm -hmm industry yeah. <laughs> um and i think that's a big part of why the problem is is so prevalent there yeah man i just keep hearing that as a common theme just and especially i would imagine in construction and even just raising your hand and saying hey i'm sad i mean mm -hmm. you know you got to be macho you're supposed to be a man it's just hard work you know man up and get it done right so yeah. so I'll, I'll run a quick test with you so we oh say, gosh, I'm not ready for this. <laughs> this is not a test. Don't worry. Yeah. <laughs> so we say, uh, when we're working in construction, they're one of the hardest industries to change. They're one of the hardest industries to convince and, and move forward. They're aggressive when it, when it comes to software uh, and doing things differently or taking risk. They just largely stay away from it. So it's important that you understand your customer and you understand the person that you're talking to. So we say in construction, if you had to paint me a picture, if, if we took the whole industry of construction and pushed and crammed and compressed the industry into a person. Well, and more specifically, the leadership of construction. Right. Mm. We're talking about okay. not, not the working bodies, but the people, we, this construction guy is the person who makes the decisions about how we spend money. This is the person who makes the decision about what, what is important and what do we talk about. So this is the quiz. What is, what is the gender of, of the construction industry in the leadership sense? I would say a man. Man, 100%. We gave that yeah. one away with construction guy. Yeah. Construction well, even guy, if you didn't, that's what yeah. I would assume. Yeah. yeah. Construction guy is a man. Uh, what about race? What race is construction guy? I still just picture a white guy, I guess. It's a white, it's a guy. white guy. You bet. Ding, ding, ding. <laughs> uh, what, about, uh, what about age? So roughly how old is construction guy? If we're talking leadership, I'm leadership. probably saying someone that's in their 50s. Mm -hmm. So between 55, older. And 55 and 65. Yeah, somewhere in there. Yeah. He's paid his uh, dues. Now he's on top, I guess. That's right. Yeah. Pulled himself up by his bootstraps. Paid his dues by coming to work every single day, never taking a sick day. Yeah. How many days of work? You're ruining it. How many days of work <laughs> do you, did construction guy miss or, or how many would he admit to? Oh, just the holidays, I would assume. 
Or maybe, maybe not even the holidays. Yeah. Probably on the projects. Christmases in his life. Right? Yeah. Uh, going into COVID, what do you think construction guy thought about COVID? Oh, it's terrible. We just got to get to work. It's, it's terrible. I, I think even more than that, it's a bunch of baloney. It's right. a bunch of rubbish, right? Yeah. Uh, so now we've, we've kind of painted this picture of what construction guy looks like. How comfortable is construction guy in talking about feelings, in talking about making sure someone feels safe, making sure it feels safe, right? Not okay. is safe, but feels safe. Yeah. How much, how That's much? a hard enough struggle to get them to deal with actual safety concerns, like a hole in the floor on the site, right. let alone someone feeling safe. So yeah. the, the reason why I bring that up is because when we're talking about suicide prevention, when we're talking about awareness, that construction guy, that person is the person who's at the other side of the table who yeah. you have to convince to come on board and buy into what it is that we're talking about. Yeah. It's kind of, I just picture an eye roll, basically. Yeah. Like, I don't have time for this mm -hmm. type well, of reaction. It's, it's funny because you said you saw one of Jason's posts on LinkedIn. And one of Jason's posts on LinkedIn, uh, he had some good engagement going with some people talking about this problem in construction. And someone responded to that post and basically said, uh, quit talking about this. We're having a hard enough time getting young people into construction. What do you want to scare them away for? Right? <laughs> and that's kind of the mindset. Yeah. Right? Like, let's not talk about it. Yeah. And, and my response to that was, I'm just thankful that, that the snowflakes are going to be in control moving forward because they are thinking about uh, mental health. They are thinking about the perception of feeling safe and the importance of being safe. Yeah. It's amazing to me, as soon as you just open your mouth about it, how many people jump on board with that conversation? I mean, I gave a presentation at work on this topic after my friend had died. And there was people writing me private messages on the side, like, hey, that was really cool. You opened up and I've dealt with this too. You know, it's like this thing that you're hiding. And I guarantee you, there's just so many people in the construction industry that if they were given the opportunity and knew they weren't alone, then they would jump all over that conversation. Have you noticed in your, I guess your, your trainings, have you started to incorporate some of this conversation in those? So um, we've always included leadership topics. We've always included soft topics uh, because we feel like team cohesion and, and keeping your team together, there's a big component of that that is driven by that relationship and making sure your people are actually okay. Uh, just at the onset of COVID, we had rolled out our new Foreman basic training program mm. that addresses leadership, uh, construction, and software. Well, and one big way that we're addressing it is, is kind of from on the side rather than head on because another thing that we have learned is that one of the highest risk factors mm -hmm. for someone to die by suicide in the construction industry is when they are promoted into a role and are not given any preparation or training for how so, to do that. Oh. It's a leading indicator is promotion without preparation. Interesting. Right. And the, uh, if you think about where does that occur more than most other places in the world, it happens in construction. It's sink or swim, it's, it's fly or fall, you get thrown into the water and either you, you figure it out or you don't. Yeah. But, and, and that's why we focused on that form and leadership program 
for the reason that these people, this is the, the first opportunity they've had to change the situation for their families. Well, and that's another important part of this is that that jump from field person to foreman, that's a real change in your life. That is a place where you go from not being able to keep the power on to being able to take care of your family, being able to take care of business. And so that feeling of fear about failing and people wash out of that so much, so yeah. many, because they just take someone and say, let's try you, you're, toss them into the form. You're fast, you're fast at framing, therefore you can lead people. <laughs> and yeah. it's so common for them to just make a mistake and just get dumped back down. Mm -hmm. And so that fear that that's gonna happen, that okay, now I've, I've given you the key, I've opened the door, I've given you access to this whole new set of, of kind of life tools, but make one mistake and I'm gonna yank all of it away from you. Yeah. And so so think That's about the stressful. Pressure. It yeah. is high, high pressure. So we are one of the ways that we try the most in our, our work to address it is by trying to help get involved, help those people understand how to do that job, how to, how to be successful, mm -hmm. because that really does take that pressure and that stress yeah. out of the equation. And our programming is built such that this is the programming that I would have wanted to have when I started as a carpenter yeah. and when I moved into a foreman position. Uh, this is, this is stuff that, that, our, our leaders and our parents should have told us, but they never did. Oh, that's fascinating. I mean, I can think of so many examples just in my own life where that would apply, where you just, it's on to the next level. And, and the common thread, I guess, is you got to learn on the job, right? Which I think with some things is true. You know, you got to get it. You learn by experience, right? Is this like but a if doctor? You're... <laughs> <laughs> okay, you're just going to learn it on the job. Not a doctor. That's not going to work. <laughs> But parts, I guess, from what I do, um, it, it seems to kind of work, but there still has to be some kind of training and mentorship as you go. You can't just and throw support. someone in and then expect them to do everything to the expectation. So, so to amp up that topic even a little bit more, this is a really interesting detail. Uh, if you think about the average American small business, the average American small business runs about 400000 a year in revenue. Hmm. the average foreman, construction foreman, runs between one and a half and two million per year. Oh my. In revenue. So we're taking a person and, and putting them in a position of power, making them responsible. And how did you get in the door in the first place? You picked up a hammer, right? We said, right. okay, you can swing a hammer and you can come work here. And then one day the foreman doesn't show up. And then we say, well, we're going to try you out as a foreman and off you go to running yeah. millions of dollars of someone else's money. So you're essentially running a business module uh, four or five times bigger than the average small business. And we haven't actually prepped you at all. That's, that's crazy. That is crazy. And, and I think that, that when we kind of square it that way, it would make sense that we should actually take the time to prepare our people. We should train them. We should get them uh, attached to a mentor as they're going through this process. Right. And we should open the conversation to how are you feeling? How are you yeah. handling all this? Yeah. So what are some other, I guess, specific things that you recommend for an employer that, you know, you're given these kind of trainings and maybe they're considering having someone make a leap like that. Do you have any specific kind of guidelines on how they should handle that? So I think that the first component of it is normalization. 
making talking about feelings okay. Creating a safe environment with your team so that they all feel comfortable and they all, they all realize that, that, you know, we all have tough days. We all have tough times, especially right now. So it's just kind of the normalization of just talking about it, making it okay. Yeah. But a specific thing that, that companies can do uh, that, that we've been promoting here lately is depending on the size and, and the capacity of your company is to actually bring a mental health professional in a certain number of times per month uh, that is just available to chat. Well, and it, they come in and let's say this is at lunchtime and mm -hmm. they just come in and they just kind of talk about different topics. Um, have a little, you know, 10, 15 minute spiel where they're talking about a mental health thing. The team can kind of engage with it, interact with it to whatever extent they want. This is doing a few things. So this is normalizing that conversation. This is making it clear that this is something we talk about. But also this is normalizing that person to them because I think one of the big challenges is if someone gets to a state where they are really depressed and really don't know what to do, the idea, sometimes I think they can even acknowledge that maybe they could use some help, but that idea to a person in a really dark depression of, okay, now you gotta go find someone, make an appointment, develop and start this relationship with this yeah. person, that's overwhelming. Yeah, so, you're gonna make the worst decisions in that mindset. Right. Mm -hmm. So if there is this person who is a person that they know who they've seen once a month, it's not someone they're close to. They don't have a deep connection with this person. But if instead of it being this overwhelming, find someone and contact someone, if it's just, I can just make an appointment with, with Karen, I can just make an appointment with this person who is already a person to me, who I know is not going to judge me, who I know I have these, uh, these conversations with. And there's, there's trust. You can yeah. make it, you can just make it a, that that little bump more accessible to them, I think, and that can make a big difference. That is awesome. I love that. I mean, there's so many things going through my mind. I mean, first off, when you talk about creating a place that's safe where people feel like they can express themselves without any kind of a consequence on are they keeping their job? Are they going to get made fun of? That kind of stuff. One of the my favorite research projects that Google has done is, uh, I don't remember what they called it, but they looked in there trying to figure out what teams were the most effective. Like, what is it about this group of people that's, so they're trying to figure, is it a combination of men and women or this university versus that university, this background versus that interests? And in the end, they just said, it's all about psychological safety. The teams that feel close and safe. So-and-so's wife has cancer. The team feels it. Everybody feels and, and cares for that person. Those are the most effective teams. It's just mind blowing that yeah. we try to do so much research into everything else, but just creating an opportunity. And you guys talk a lot about your trainings, engaging people. And this is a prime example. I mean, creating an engaging atmosphere at work where they can feel safe. I think that's just, that's a great move. So we have a, a core philosophy that is we don't grow up. We just get bigger. Yeah, I like that. So if you, you think about kind of where that comes from, we understand that, that when kids are small, they all learn different, right? All kids learn different. Sometimes you need to fidget with something. Sometimes you need to learn by doing or hearing or touching or tasting. Sometimes yeah. you need to, to experience the content in a different way. 
And this magic thing happens that when we turn 18, all of that's gone and out the window. <laughs> we think yeah. now someone can just talk at you and you'll learn, or we can just throw a book at you and you'll read it and learn. Yeah. It's not true. We grow up and we're still those same people that still need to hear it or touch it or work with it or whatever. However we learn, it stays the same. So yeah. a big part of, of the reason for why our training is successful is because that's something that we really lean into, right? That's something that, that we really utilize. And, and oftentimes, whether it's the public school system or just the world at large, grinds out our, our love for learning. And so we try to, to get back to the place where, where people can love learning again, right? People mm. can, can really get back to remembering, hey, you know, I, I enjoy that. And we have a 99.5% positive uh, engagement rating from, from our training. And, and I believe it's directly tied to that, to that effort. But the reason why I bring that up is because when you talk about all of the research that Google does, or did in this, in this effort to try to figure out what makes the best teams. Yeah. Think about if you have a room full of, of 10 or, or 20 uh, seven-year-old kids. <laughs> oh, gosh. Okay, now let's say, let's complicate things, and let's say that those seven-year-old kids have experienced some sort of trauma in their life, because right. believe it or not, most kids have. Yeah. Well, most people have, Most for people sure. have. Uh, but even... At, by that age, oftentimes, you know, they have themselves. What are you going to do to, to get them to be productive? Oh, I don't even have any ideas. The answer is psychological safety. Okay. Right. The answer is creating a safe environment where it's okay to share. It's okay to be who you are. Yeah. It's okay to talk and share your feelings. Uh, it doesn't have to be everyone is holding hands, but if we're actually functioning like a family, and we've created a safe environment, you're gonna get the most out of those people. Yeah. So when you're talking to those company owners and you're trying to convince them to take these steps to make things better for their people, we have a thing that we call the Kumbaya dichotomy. And the mm -hmm. idea is that you have people, they have a spectrum. And at one end of the spectrum, you have people who say, uh, we wanna do the right thing for our people. Of course we want our people to feel safe. We love our people, we're a family. And yeah. at the other end of the spectrum, you have, we're not here to hold hands. We're not here to sing Kumbaya. We're here to get the work done. This is construction That's, guy. Yeah. So there's that, that spectrum. But the beautiful thing about things like psychological safety is wherever you sit on that whole spectrum, it doesn't really matter because it's the right answer on the end where we want to do the right thing for our people. Psychological safety is absolutely the right thing. But if we're here to make money, psychological safety is the right thing because when people feel safe then they have their whole brain to do their job and to be successful at work and yeah. to just focus and people who are who are operating in a mindset where they're worrying about whether they're safe there's there are cycles processing cycles of their brain being committed to that worrying about whether they're safe people's thought patterns change and they stop taking risks and they start being cautious. If we want people to have uh, access to problem solving, to take risks, to do a great job for our company, we need to make them feel safe. Yeah. So it's the right answer no matter what. Absolutely. Wow. There's so much good content there. I mean, just, <laughs> it's interesting. I just, I'm so fascinated with every person I talk to on this topic. It's a different situation. It's a different interest. I've talked to people from other countries and it's all kind of the same. Like we're all human. We all have feelings. We need to start opening up about that. <laughs> the more we do, 
the better off we are. And I just, I really appreciate what you guys are doing. I mean, it's incorporating this kind of a conversation into the training that you're already doing and seeing a need for it specifically on in the construction industry. I mean, it's, I hope that it's being well received and I hope that more people are noticing and hopefully there could be a change in the next few years. Then hopefully those numbers start to to drop. Have you heard a common thread? I mean, other people that are doing similar things that you do or just in the industry as, as well, are there, is there more of an effort on this topic for mental health? I mean, maybe even specifically since COVID. Mm -hmm. Well, definitely since COVID for sure. We've seen. Well, and I I think the the progress that we've made has been really interesting because uh, there's always a good side to every single bad thing that happens. Mm -hmm. And in COVID, we've seen uh, change in in, uh, uh, diversity and inclusion. We've Mm -hmm. seen a change in in perspective on suicide awareness. Uh, People are depressed and afraid now. Uh, And maybe these are people who traditionally would never have been. Uh, But but this environment and the circumstance has has normalized feeling not okay. With the whole world being changed, there are a lot of company owners who previously would never have asked about people's feelings. And now they're becoming aware that this is something they have to do. So it's been, it's been changing the conversation for sure. So we've been participating in different conversations. Uh, We run a uh, construction industry peer group called Builder Chat. And so we meet twice a month and we talk about different topics. Uh, We have people join us from all across the country and uh, talk about different construction topics. And next month we will be featuring uh, suicide awareness. And that's a, that's a free peer group. So you can find it on our website from the show notes. It's anybody can participate. It's not a a thing that you have to pay for. You just register through ABC Western Washington. Yeah. ABC Western Washington is the the trade organization that, that makes it possible. Uh, But we're the ones who facilitate that conversation. Cool. And so we're, we're featuring that topic uh, and um, we'll likely be holding a, a podcast episode of our our own in the future as we, we come into awareness month. Yep. Awesome. Well, you two are doing great things. There's so much good conversation that's being had. And I just wonder if you have like that one last nugget, one final piece of advice, maybe from each of you on what the industry can do or what individuals can do specifically to help drop that number in the construction industry specifically. So I think we will oftentimes hear the bootstraps conversation or it's not what it was like when I was young. Uh, I put in my time, I I put in the work and there's sort of this disconnected relationship with with the next generation. Uh, Feeling like I figured it out, I I guess you need to figure it out too if if you want to be where I am today. And, And that relationship needs to change because the hope is that we're getting better generation after generation. The hope is that every generation that comes after uh, does a better job than the one before of actually taking care of their people. And I I guess the piece that I would leave you with is um, everyone that, that you're working with, everyone that reports to you, you should be the leader. You should be the mentor. You should be the, the uh, boss that you wish you had when you were in their place. So if, if, you're kind of looking at that, that young driven person and they haven't been broken yet. Yeah. You should be thinking about, 
okay, when I was, when I was 20, when I was 25 years old, what kind of leadership and what kind of guidance and what kind of support would have made me a better person, would have, have made this a healthier trip than, mm. than what I actually experienced? Yeah. And if we, if we look at it that way and make it personal and actually invest in the people that are, that are working around us, it's not about, this is like the, the kumbaya effect, it's not about making the hard, cold dollars, but you will you will make the hard, cold dollars uh, when you take care of the relationship. Yeah. Oh, that's great advice. So I think my piece comes from kind of the exact opposite side of the spectrum of that, where you're talking about as a leader, mm -hmm. looking at your people and thinking through how to do the right thing and take care of them. And my perspective would be, whether you're a leader or whether you're not a leader at all, whether you're at the bottom of the totem pole, mm -hmm. I think the first thing you can do is that uh, sometimes you're having a good day, regardless of where you live on the spectrum, whether you're depressed a lot of the time or whether you're barely ever depressed. If you are having a good day, you are having a strong day, then you should allow yourself to be vulnerable and allow yourself to talk about as much as you can handle. Because hmm. when you talk to other people, often you think everybody around you has it all put together. They all know what they're doing. And if you ask them how they are, they'll still just give you that that, I, that answer that's in the shell, that everything's good and I'm all good. Yeah. And you will find that if you just find a little piece of vulnerability you can offer, you can say, you know, I'm having a, a really hard day. I, I had that situation at work years and years ago when I was a secretary and I had a cat die. And I don't oh. know, I was young and my cat died and I was just, I just broke down crying in the middle of the day because my cat died. I was actually working at a country radio station and a song played on the radio that oh, made no. me think of my cat and cried. <laughs> And I cried at work and I was like, this is the least professional thing I've ever done. I'm so embarrassed. And it turned out that everyone all of a sudden was breaking down and talking about pets they'd lost and oh, wow. everybody's sharing. But it took that moment of seeing me cry for that to open up and, and bring everybody together. So when you can share even a little bit, even if you can't share how big and dark your problem is, if you can just share little pieces of vulnerability, other people will often respond by sharing theirs too. And it can make everything feel less lonely. That's awesome. I mean, That's it, my advice. and you don't even know if someone else in the room might have also been having a rough day and yeah. that moment might've helped them. I'm going to help this person and maybe that helps them kind of snap out of it. I mean, there's yeah. so much impact that you don't even know. Yeah. If you're willing to just share a little bit, like you said, I love that. Yeah. And there's so often this idea that like either that someone has to help someone else, there's a helper and a helpy. But the truth is the real situation we see in the real world is often we're both a mess and we both help each other as much as we can. Yeah, absolutely. Well put. I like that as well. It's good stuff. <laughs> well, so do you have uh, just, I always like to ask people when I'm interviewing them, do you have a, a resource that you'd like to share? I know you shared with us your podcast that you're doing and the work you do uh, specifically with trainings. Is there a book or another podcast or even a social media page or something that you're really drawn to on this topic? Well, on, on this topic in particular, uh, we've been doing work with Construction Industry Alliance uh, for suicide prevention, and we'd be happy to share the links with you for show notes. Yeah, great. Um, but also, you know, trade organizations like ABC uh, and AGC, uh, they, they are warming up to the topic of suicide awareness, even though it's one of the least popular topics that they cover. Yeah. Uh, but the trade organizations taking a, a position is really important. Um, the, the large construction companies taking a stance is important, but 
we, we really need to see more action from those folks in providing that meaningful support. But we'd be happy to provide some resources for you for the show notes that folks can check out. Yeah, that would be great. Yeah. Meredith, do you have anything in mind? Uh, I do. It's not actually related to construction at all, but uh, it's actually more in the direction of, uh, there's a book that I really love called Burnout. Uh, oh. The author is Emily Nagoski. And okay. what this one is about, it's actually specifically about women, really. Uh, and it's about the ways that we're conditioned and socialized to interact with the world and how it can lead us to this place of just being completely uh, depleted and exhausted. And I, I actually, I buy, actually, oh, it's right here. <laughs> I, I buy stacks of this book and I, I give it to every woman that I encounter in the construction industry because yeah. construction, yeah, our, our camera was sitting on it. <laughs> because there it is. Construction is, uh, can be so hard for women. Yeah. Um, so it is specific to women. It's called Burnout, The Secret to Unlocking the Stress Cycle. And I found it really useful in kind of starting to be able to decode these ways that I was programmed to amp up my own stress right. and, and ways to kind of help uh, diffuse that. Excellent. That sounds like a great recommendation. It's a great book. Jason read it too. It's, it's useful for men too, because even though it's really about how women are interacting with society, men are part of that. Yeah, and, absolutely. and it gives it gives you context, right? Well, especially yeah. like you said, uh, especially with the construction industry, we've talked so much about how it's just masculine is the assumption, but there's so many women that are involved that are taking things to the next level and doing a great job, and and I love that you're sharing that and trying to strengthen that that core as well. Mm-hmm. Well, thanks again for joining me today. I just uh, I'm really impressed with you two and the work that you're doing. I think it's awesome. I'll go ahead and share all these links on here so the listeners can access more about what you guys do on a regular basis if you're interested in, in reaching out to them for some trainings. Um, and go Kraken, right? Release the Kraken. <laughs> Release, Release the Kraken. Kraken. Excited. Yeah. All right. Thanks again. Take care. Hey, thank you again for listening in today. If you truly are struggling and having suicidal thoughts, please call the National Suicide Prevention Lifeline at 1-800-273-8255. They are available 24 hours every day and are anxious to help people in need. If you prefer to text, I would recommend the Crisis Text Line. They provide 24-7 support via text message. They're here for everything from anxiety, depression, and suicide. So even if you don't consider yourself suicidal, please text HOME to 741-741. That's H-O-M-E to 741-741. And simply open up about how you're feeling. Until next time, let's all stick around and help each other find hope and see value in life.